Father, I pray that you would um, open up these words for us this evening, that we would know more of what it means to be ambassadors of your reconciliation in this world this week. In your name, amen. Most of you will probably be aware that we're doing a series at the moment looking at the various imagery that we find in the New Testament for Christian identity. If, if I'm a follower of Jesus, what does that uh, look like? Um, and this evening we're looking at this idea of being an ambassador, um, which, which fits, as you can see in the passage, with, uh, with Remembrance Sunday, and that's that emphasis on reconciliation, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Of course, an ambassador um, uh, who is coping with the aftermath of serious conflict is focused on exactly that, on reconciliation. Um, we may not think of the Christian life as being the aftermath of serious conflict, but in a sense, it is, and we'll come to some of that. But this idea of being an ambassador of Christ is in many ways quite intuitive for us. It's, it's the sort of language we use here quite a lot, the sort of language of being the presence of Christ out in the world, being the love and grace of Christ to those around us that in us they might see something of King Jesus. That's, that's the kind of language we're relatively familiar with. And we, we can we, you kind of got the ambassador idea there. Um, on, a, on a cynical level, I think there's another extent to which we like, I certainly like the ambassador idea. I don't know what you think of when you think of the word ambassador. Um, I think of the Ferrero Rocher adverts. Do you remember that? Yeah? Yeah. And uh, this, the, very, the very height of, uh, of, of society into which a chocolate might possibly be placed was considered to be a party at the ambassador's house. Ambassador, you are spoiling us. Though I, I, I almost showed you the video. I almost showed you the, just to remind you what it's like. Because it turns out that the woman who says that is actually, it's, she's just about to eat a, a wrapped Ferrero Rocher. So there we go. Anyway, we don't, don't need to talk about that. But that gives you, that's what, that's what springs to my mind when I think of a, an ambassador. It's grandeur. It's, it's, uh, it's dignified parties and so on. Um, and it is through that dignity and that grandeur that, that the ambassador points to the king or queen or prime minister or whoever else it is that they represent. I'm more than happy to be an ambassador on those terms. Um, and that's because I love the idea of being impressive. I love the idea uh, of, uh, of, of, of an image for the Christian life that allows me to massage my ego. It doesn't sound too bad, does it? Um, but actually, unfortunately for me, um, the passage brings with it a sickening sense of irony. Um, and that's because it is played off against another image for the, for the Christian life that happens much earlier in the book, and that is as a prisoner of war. And so there is this, and, and 2 Corinthians is a book that is constantly playing with the light and dark of the Christian life, the, the weakness and strength, uh, the foolishness and the wisdom, um, and ultimately the death and the life, that all, it's, it's, it plays constantly with the tension of those ideas as part of the Christian life. And these, are, these two images, you could say, and somewhat to some degree, pivot those ideas. So if you look back 
um, at chapter 2, um, and we'll have a look at verse 14 and following, just for a moment or two. That's page 1159. Um, Paul says this, Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. This is, uh, it doesn't seem quite as dark as it is sometimes, but this is one of Paul's darkest images. So the image that he's using is of a returning, conquering uh, general um, or king, uh, and the victory procession coming up, up through the city. And at the end of this procession of dignitaries and, uh, and, um, and soldiers and so on would be the prisoners of war. Um, and they would be shackled and they would be swinging incense. Um, and that swinging of the incense uh, was a celebration of the king's uh, victory. But of course, for the slaves, it was by no means a celebration of the king's victory. It was something that stared them in the face and says, you know, you've been captured and you're probably going to die uh, in the arena in the coming days uh, for the sport of the town. Um, so that's the imagery that Paul is picking up on. Some of the more modern translations bring out the darkness of that a little bit more, but that's actually what's going on here. You can hear, all, again, that, um, that, that Paul is enjoying, it's probably the wrong word, he's playing with the light and the dark uh, in, these, in this kind of imagery. Um, but we according to Paul, are like those captives. We are gloriously captured. There is nothing better than to be captured by Christ. But as captives in this image, um, the aroma of Christ should hang around us. And for some, that will be a beautiful, delicious smell. And for others, it will be the stench of death. The invitation that comes with this ministry of reconciliation, the invitation to lay everything down uh, for Christ in order to receive the fullness of life is one that we might receive uh, with great joy. And for those, it is the smell of life. But similarly, many of us cannot bring ourselves to a point where we can actually sacrifice all that there is in us for this great uh, life that he offers us. And for us, there is this sense in which it is the stench of death. But the point that I want to make in bringing up both of these images together is that in this first, in this earlier image in chapter 2, we display the glory, the glorious victory of Christ, not through our own victorious and impressive lives, uh, but uh, as his captives, we dis display it through our own brokenness and weakness, uh, that it is in that context that we spread the aroma of Christ. The Christian life, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians, is anything but dignified. In fact, it is deeply unattractive on several points. And Paul is, tr is, is hammering that point home. Now, of course, there are, uh, there's an extent to which the Christian life should be attractive. It, People should be drawn in a positive way 
to elements of us, our, our love, our joy, our grace for others, we would hope that people are drawn towards that. Um, but actually, there are all sorts of parts of the Christian faith which don't look like that, um, which jar with culture, which are even offensive uh, and might cause people to look down on us. Um, and that was certainly true in the context of Corinth. Um, the Corinthians were desperately embarrassed about their, uh, the church planter who had started this church, which is Paul. Um, and they were desperately embarrassed about his message. He, they found these idea, both, both of these aspects rather embarrassing, and it's that which Paul wants to engage with. And of course, whether or not we understand what it means to have an embarrassing message, we understand being led by Richard Frank what it is to have an embarrassing leader. Let's all be honest. Um, but I just want to touch base ab about this, how Paul responds to these two embarrassments that uh, he is getting back from the church in Corinth. Um, and what it means then for us to be ambassadors of an embarrassing king, ambassadors carrying an embarrassing message. Um, so firstly, the, uh, the, the Corinthians wanted, um, a, really what they wanted was a Greek philosopher, an orator. That was, that was what it meant to be a great leader uh, for, for them. And Paul wasn't that. As one commentator put it, Paul came across as a manual worker with amateurish speaking abilities. You probably don't think of the Apostle Paul that way, but that probably is how he came across. Um, and of course, remembering this idea that an ambassador is somehow to reflect the person who they are representing, well, that kind of makes sense. Jesus wasn't impressive in many ways. The victory that he won, he won at the point of being executed as a criminal. And therefore, we should not be surprised that for Paul and for us, that should be the shape of the Christian life. On this Remembrance Sunday, I think it's a day when we actually do recognize that this is the God that we want. Um, the poet Edward Shillitoe, uh, who may have fought in the First World War, but certainly experienced uh, it uh, to some degree, reflected on the horrors of, uh, of his own experience and those around him, and obviously asked the question, where might God possibly be in all of this? And in faith, he came to the recognition that in Christ, God had gone through the horrors of death to his throne. And he wrote a poem called Jesus of the Scars. And this is the final verse of that poem. The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a God has wounds, but thou alone. When we're faced with uh, the suffering, uh, the vulnerabilities of this life, it is that kind of God that we want to be walking alongside us. But if we are called to be his ambassadors, part of our calling will be to reflect his character um, and his reality. And that requires us uh, to look broken and wounded rather than impressive.
So that's basically how Paul responds to how embarrassed the Corinthians are about him. But he also wants to respond about how embarrassed they are about uh, his message. We will eventually get back to 2 Corinthians 5, by the way. Um, But I think this is all important background that actually makes the passage just, to some degree, just fall open. People wanted, the people of Corinth, the church of Corinth, wanted a message uh, that people would like. They, they wanted a, a message that would be impressive and make people stroke their beards, and that's not what they were getting. Um, that's not what was on offer. It was a, it's a message uh, that is fully engaged with the brokenness of the world. It is a message that talks about sin, talks about our alienation from God. Um, Look at verse 21 with me. Back at, This is now finally back in chapter 5, page 1161. Verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This idea of sin and God paying for our sin that really sits at the center of the, center of the Christian message is a deeply unpopular idea. Dare I even say it's, it's one that for many people just sounds like a thoroughly degrading view of humanity. Um, and yet Paul places it front and center within uh, what he understands it to mean to be ministers of, of reconciliation. Um, that in Christ uh, we are offered a new life that death is taken away, placed on Christ, and he gives us this new life under his kingship. And it's a life that we do not have in order to earn our place uh, in his kingdom, but in response to his love, with hearts overflowing, with gratitude. And I think that's kind of what he's saying in verses 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. And of course, it's, it being a new life, uh, it does away with the old way of thinking, the old way of living. We are, verse 17, new creations. And God has turned the whole thing, the whole world and its values upside down. Um, And that means that we view each other radically differently. Did you notice that in verse 16, that we no longer view each other from a worldly point of view? We're no longer fundamentally concerned with the question of how impressive we are and how impressive other people are in earthly terms. We're much more concerned about the question of whether whether we and those around us are reconciled to God. Have we... Uh, given ourselves in love to a God who in love has given himself to us. That's the glorious message of reconciliation which we are to embody and proclaim as Christ's ambassadors. As we say sometimes here, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. For all of us, there is this invitation to reconciliation into God's family, to have the slate wiped clean, 
verses 18 and 19. All of this comes from God, this whole story. God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And again, some people will respond to this with joy and excitement. Others will respond uh, with horror at such an insulting view of humanity. But this is what Paul reckons is God's embarrassing assessment of the human condition. To some, it will be the aroma of life, and to others, it will be the stench of death. So, we are ambassadors, but we say that um, with uh, a certain amount of irony. Uh, We are ambassadors that draw people to Christ, not through our impressiveness, uh, but through our weakness, our brokenness, as those who model uh, what it means to come empty-handed and humble to a God who gives us everything so that nobody can be in any doubt where the glory uh, lies in this story. So, as you go out this week as ambassadors, you shouldn't be surprised if it feels more like being a captive at the back of this procession than as a victorious uh, ambassador munching his Ferrero Rochers. God uses us in our brokenness, um, in our weaknesses, to be his agents of reconciliation. So let's maybe uh, cast our mind across the week that lies ahead. What are the aspects of your life which feel broken? Where do you need to resist the temptation to long to be impressive? Where might, in your weakness um, and woundedness, uh, the invitation of Christ, our wounded King, uh, shine through into the lives of those around us? Father, we give ourselves to you as the one who loves us and gives yourself for us. And we ask uh, that you would enable us to spread your fragrance this week in all the places we go uh, and all that we do. Amen.